You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Lynn. Today's program is entitled Standing Up. Hello my radio friends, I'm so glad you've joined me today to find out more of what the Bible has to say. And I hope that as you listen to the thoughts I share with you week after week, that you will not just treat what is said as mere information. My hope is that the Bible will change you change you to becoming one of God's own precious people, someone who's accepted the beautiful gifts of God, the gifts of forgiveness and of salvation. The Apostle Paul, writing to the people who made up the congregation of the church in the idolatry-saturated city of Ephesus, had some very sound counsel to share. He likened the Christian life to a battle, a battle with the forces of evil. He advised the believers to equip themselves for this moral and spiritual battle, as would a soldier. By analogy, he likened the necessary equipment a soldier could wear and carry to the equipment a Christian could use. And you can read about this for yourself in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. But I want to highlight something different, and about which we read in Ephesians 6, verses 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul wrote, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Summarised, Paul is saying, You need to be equipped to stand against your foe, the devil. What I want to highlight today is about taking a stand. You know, there's a wise saying that goes like this. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. It's sometimes quite frightening. It may cost you something to make a stand for truth, for what is right, that is something you believe in. Fortunately, history records the deeds and principles of brave men and women who stood up for what they felt was right. They are good examples for us. Sometimes their stand costs them dearly. Some lost their lives as a result, but the lives of others were enriched because of the stands taken by 
those worthy souls. I want to share a statement made by Susie Kassam from her book Rise Up and Salute the Sun. She says, Stand up for what is right, even if you're standing alone. And then she adds, Stand up for your conscience. Use light to reveal what is concealed in darkness. Use truth to fight lies and the heart to fight the mind. Another author, Christina Angela, writing on much the same topic, has this to say. What we see far too little of today is people who identify as Christians standing up to the hate mongers and death dealers who've been hijacking their religion and using it as a murder weapon. The question is just begging to be asked, are they afraid or are they just not interested because they feel it somehow does not affect them? There are many quotes I could provide you with from a variety of other authors who feel strongly that there is a desperate need in modern society for people, for us, to stand up for principles of truth and justice. One such person is Margaret D. Nadold, who goes even further. She says, The time is here for you to stand up for what you know is right. You must judge right from wrong. No longer can you be complacent or go with the flow or wonder what to do. You must decide now which path you will follow and which answer you will give. Decide well in advance before the pressure is on what you stand for. Many of you may be aware of a movement that began in the late 1980s and early 1990s called political correctness. It required use of language that would not make anyone feel put down or offended. Now, while I agree with the intent of political correctness, I also feel that it prevented people from saying what they really felt ought to be said. Truth was often watered down in what's called politispeak. The result of the political correctness movement was to encourage mediocrity and complacency. But Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And that's found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 37. Apart from meaning that we should not tell lies, what he said implies that we should not be afraid to say something like it is. If it's wrong, 
we should speak out against it. If it's right, we should speak up and support it. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, the Bible gives instruction to believers how they should act in relation to standing up for their faith and beliefs. It says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I mentioned earlier about the effects of, in society of political correctness and how it encourages mediocrity and complacency. But there is a new issue that looms large in various countries in the world and that's the issue of same-sex marriage which includes homosexuality. There have been ministers of churches and various other public speakers who because of their religious, uh, religious convictions have spoken out against homosexuality. Because of same-sex marriage laws enacted in their countries, some of those who publicly aired their views have been sued for what is called hate speech. Freedom of speech has been restricted because of those new laws. Other people, as a result of such actions, are afraid to condemn homosexuality and so remain silent. As a result, no one speaks out and the social osteoporosis of homosexuality gains greater acceptance. The Bible condemns homosexuality. Homosexual acts are described as an abomination to the Lord or, as put in some versions, detestable to the Lord. And you can read how God thinks about homosexuality and other abnormal sexual behaviour in the book of Leviticus, chapter 18. There are lots of things wrong in modern society and there is a need to take a stand and speak out against those wrongs. But if our lawmakers keep going in the same way as been happening in some countries like Canada, it will be a criminal offence to say what needs to be said. My dear friends, in case you have not noticed, the person who is speaking to you now has taken a stand for God's word, the Bible, because I believe it is true and if followed will bring happiness, hope, peace and a proper balance and perspective in life. I believe the Bible has plausible answers to many of today's perplexing questions and therefore I'm very happy 
to defend God's holy book. Furthermore, I'm happy to defend God's account of origins, and because of that, I regard the theory of evolution as false and worthless, and responsible for many of the ills that plague society. There seems to be a direct correlation between lawlessness and social moral breakdown. When any society becomes disconnected from God's word, and in particular God's moral law, the Ten Commandments, social breakdown is the result. Jesus, although gentle and kind, was not afraid to call a spade a spade. He instructed his followers to beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honour at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. And if you want to read that, that's from Mark chapter 12, verses 38 to 40. Jesus condemned hypocrisy in the Jewish leadership of his day. He denounced those who by word and example should have set the tone of a happy, functional society. In the book of Matthew, chapter 23, we read of where Jesus spoke directly to those social and religious leaders, calling them hypocrites, blind guides, snakes, broods of vipers and blind fools. He likened them to something that looks good on the outside, but inside is full of filth. From verse 23 and 24 of Matthew chapter 23, we read this. These are the words of Jesus. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. We're going to have a break before we go on. Some say love, it is a river that drowns the tender reed. Some say love, it is a razor that leaves 
your soul to bleed. Some say love, it is a hunger, an endless aching need. I say love is my friend in Jesus. All my sins and griefs to bear. It's the heart afraid of breaking that never learns to dance. It's the dream afraid of waking. That never takes a chance. It's the one who won't be taken, who cannot seem to give, and the soul afraid of dying. That never. Learns to live. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything. To God in prayer, oh what peace we often forfeit. Oh what need. Just before the break, I was reading to you of some of the things that Jesus spoke to the hypocritical leaders of the day, and as you can re- as you can see, Jesus fearlessly spoke out about the bad in society, particularly in relation to those social leaders. He did not mince words. Jesus was no mamby-pamby. He said it like it was. And you know, it's shameful when a social, political or religious leader who should be one of those who sets and practices high standards for others to live by is found out to be living a double life and is involved in illicit or illegal activities. It's shameful when a school teacher or any worker with children is found out to be indulging in pedophilic behaviour. It's shameful when a policeman who's employed to enforce the law is found to be breaking the law. And my dear friends, it's shameful when parents who have the responsibility of being examples to their children, do things that encourage children to regard accepted social and moral values with contempt. Just recently, a lady told me of an incident in a supermarket where she witnessed a young girl opening the lid of a closed storage chest and stealing some food item which she immediately ate. The lady spoke to the girl and said, I saw that, to which the girl replied, 
mind your own business. It was the lady's opinion that the young girl had been shown what to do by her parent. That's sad. Joseph was a young man who determined to serve the Lord and at all times do what was right. He was sold as a slave to an Egyptian nobleman, Potiphar, who was captain of the king's guard. Joseph was trustworthy and reliable to the degree that his master Potiphar allowed him to live in his house and put him in charge of everything he owned. And you can read about this in Genesis chapter 39. Why don't you read it yourself? It's Genesis 39. On one occasion, Potiphar was away, and there were no other servants in the house. Now, Mrs. Potiphar had for some time been admiring Joseph. He was confident, well-spoken, courteous, well-built, intelligent, and handsome. As there was no one else in the house, Mrs. Potiphar tried to coerce Joseph to come to bed with her. In verse 8 of chapter 39, the Bible records, But he, that's Joseph, refused. Joseph went on to explain that he was totally trusted by his master, Potiphar, and that he would not betray his master's trust. And then he exclaimed, How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Joseph had made a stand to remain true to his promise and to maintain his integrity, although... As you'll find out if you read Genesis 39, it cost him dearly. Because Joseph had not acceded to, to her wishes, Mrs. Potiphar cooked up a false story of Joseph attempting to rape her. Joseph was unjustly imprisoned, but all the while he remained faithful to God, whom he had chosen to obey. We need more people like Joseph in our society today. We need people who will take a stand for the right and remain true and unwavering despite pressure put on them to go with the cultural flow. May God bless those young people who say no to sex before marriage. May God bless those sportsmen and women who refused to play sport on God's holy day, the Sabbath. May God bless those employees who refuse to take from their employers what doesn't belong to them. May God bless businessmen who refuse to get involved in shady deals. And may God bless you as you stand up for what is right and refuse to do what is wrong. To stand up for what is right reminds me of the words of the Apostle Paul who wrote in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2 For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul stood up for Christ 
and the cause of God and would not allow himself to be deviated from it. The same should be with us. We need to be resolved in our own minds to do what we know is right and stick to that resolution, come hell or high water, as the saying goes. Before finishing today, I want to look at one last aspect of today's topic, stand up. I'm aware of various people who know certain biblical doctrines and are convinced those doctrines are correct. Take, for example, about Sabbath-keeping and baptism. I'm also aware that some of these people remain sitting on the fence and have taken no stand on what they believe. I want to remind you of the challenge made to the people by Elijah on Mount Carmel. He said, How long will you halt between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. If you know what is right, stand up and be counted. If you know how to keep the seventh-day Sabbath, keep it. Don't muck around knowing but not doing. To know what is right but to not do anything in support of that knowledge is as bad as deliberate sin. If you believe it, take positive action. Don't be one of those people who like a boat with no rudder wallow about in compromise, indecision and mediocrity. Be someone who stands up for what you know is right. Remember the statement made by Susie Kazam from her book Rise Up and Salute the Sun? She said, Stand up for what is right, even if you're standing alone. My friends, I hope you will take Susie's words to heart and join me in standing up for what is right. Sorry to say, but that's it for today. May God bless you, my friends, as you determine to do what God wants you to do, whatever be the consequences. So, until next time, this is Len, signing off and wishing you hope and joy and peace and the courage to stand up for what is right.